Amen. Before I'm done, if you can go with me to Genesis 43, please. Amen. Amen. Now, I am going to recap just a tad bit about last week's chapter because it was something very important that was displayed on chapter 42 towards the end. <clears throat> Amen. And I think that we need to kind of mention that because these are the type of things that can backtrack us in our lives. And chapter 42 ended with Jacob not wanting to send Benjamin back to Egypt. Um, but it almost seemed as if Jacob has some sort of fear, right? Because supposedly Joseph had been killed, and we know that Benjamin is the, the other son of his favorite wife, Rachel. And so it goes to show you many things here. Um, number one, it seemed like if fear has struck Jacob again, even though we thought he had gotten over this by now of how many times God has shown off in his life. And as a matter of fact, God even changing his name from Jacob to Israel. But here we see fear strike Jacob once again. Not only do we see fear, but we see the division that Jacob makes between his sons. And this is very crucial because it goes to show you the behavior of some compared to the others. And as parents, we need to be very careful in this. If we bring any division within our children, because that tends to push some of our children to do some things that the other ones are not going to do and envy others because of the division that we've been doing. And so I, I, I thought that this was very important to, to address this morning because sometimes we do it unconsciously. Sometimes we may show favoritism to one and not the other without realizing that we're doing it. But in the process, envy can start to grow. And sometimes children don't know how to express that. And they express it the wrong way. And then we get upset because of what they're doing, not realizing that we were the cause of it. So we see here the division that Jacob makes. We also see the fear that Jacob has by not sending Benjamin when there were specific instructions from the man, as he's referred to in scripture, uh, from Egypt, not realizing that the man is his son. But chapter 43 is a chapter of restoration. And we're going to see in a minute how God's amazing and perfect plan comes into play. And up to now, you know, if, if, as we study the word, we have seen that it's, it's, it almost seems like chaos in the life of Joseph, right? It almost seems as, as chaos in the life of Jacob and all his sons. So there's a great famine in the land. And they have gone to go get food in the last place they expected to go get food. And Egypt a place where they eventually will leave once from because they will become slaves of. 
But now they're running to it because it is the only place that has food, yet not realizing that the only reason why Egypt has food is because of a Hebrew boy. Amen. So the plans of God don't seem to make sense at times. But if we follow them through, if we trust them through it, it makes perfect sense at the end. Now, there were two tests, if we remember, on chapter 42, that Joseph told his brothers. And number one was, are they going to honor their first ministry, basically family, by bringing back Benjamin? while Simeon stays behind in prison. Remember, Simeon stayed in prison. That was, that was the, the deal. Simeon is going to stay back in prison. You go back to your father and bring back Benjamin. And then I will release Simeon, give you food, and you guys can carry on. And the second one was, are they going to be true to their word about who they said they were? Remember, Joseph accuses them of being spies. They said, no, 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 we're not spies. Joseph knew who they were, but he wanted to see their heart. And so you guys are spies. You're coming over here to spy on the land. And he says, no, no, we have actually come to buy food. And he says, well, show me. Show me if you're truly not spies that you have come to purchase food. Show me who you are. So they were to go back and bring back Benjamin and now show Joseph, which he already knew, who they were the sons of. Because they claimed to be all the sons of one man. It says, we have come over here to gather food not only for ourselves, but for our father. Joseph, of course, knows all these things. But he's wanting to see if their heart has changed over time. Remember, it's been a long time since they have been apart. A very long time. When this all started, Joseph was 17 years old. Now Joseph is 30. So a long, long time has passed. So he says, well, I'm going to give you food, but I want to see what your intentions are. I want to know who you truly are now. Because Joseph has changed. Joseph has become the man that God has called him to be. Why? Because he endured. He endured prison. He endured slavery. He endured being sold. He endured everything. And thus the reason why God set him where he set him. He went from the pit, literally, to the palace. And ruled second in command over all Egypt. Look at the plan of God. But are we really, really to endure what comes with it? The conditions. Right? Do we want to endure the conditions in order to reap the benefits? So let's start Genesis 43. We're going to read verse 1 and 2. We're going to break it down. There's 34 verses here. Um, and we'll run through these pretty quick. I'm not going to take too much of your time. I know everybody walked in and saw the table full of food back there. Listen, my wife yesterday, no lie, my wife yesterday made me cook for like 20 people. So I'm glad at least close to 20 people showed up today. Man, I was like making one dish after another after another. I'm like, are you sure that many people are going to come? Yeah, yeah. And then she starts telling me, oh, but this person's out of town. This person's out of town. I'm here doing numbers in my head. I'm like, I don't think there's going to be 20 people there. <laughs> Plus, that's just me cooking along the side that everybody else is bringing food. But God is a God of abundance, so we'll have plenty of food and 
to eat and plenty of food to take, if you guys would like to. Um, but yeah, so God is amazing. No, no, I, I have to. It's the beginning of the year. There are a, a lot of new things I have to talk about, and that was one of them. <laughs> Verse 1, chapter 43. says, Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the green which they had bought which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little food. Man, listen, I feel bad for the children of Jacob because here we, again, in chapter 42, we saw the division that Jacob makes between Benjamin and everybody else, basically. Yet, we're going to learn in a little bit that Benjamin was still a lad, was still a young kid, so... He's holding Benjamin back and telling him, okay, you guys went to Egypt, brought me back grain, we ate, it ran out, go back again. You guys, Benjamin's going to stay here, but you guys go back. I don't care if I lose the rest of the nine kids, but Benjamin's make sure he's going to stay back here. But yeah, they do it. But something happens because they remind Jacob of what took place on chapter 42. Now, theologians According to theologians, the brothers went to get food in Egypt on the first year of the famine. And from the time they left Simeon and jail and went back, the Bible doesn't, it's not specific about the time frame. But if they brought back food, I'm thinking they didn't bring food for a day or two, right? They must have brought food for some time. So I want you to keep in mind who stayed behind for some time. Because they didn't bring back food and said, okay, we have to go back instantly with Benjamin so we can pick up our, 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 our brother that is in jail, by the way. No, they brought back the grain and sat there and ate. And forgot about Simeon. So did Jacob. Jacob didn't bother to ask. Nowhere in scriptures that we see Jacob ask, hey, by the way, where's Simeon? It almost seemed as if he didn't care losing something to gain something else. It almost seemed as if he didn't care losing a child of Leah as long as he was making sure that Benjamin had food. Again, we see the preference in children. We see the division in children. We see what he was willing to sacrifice, a life, just to make sure that the other life was secure. Amazing. But through all this time, again, Simeon is locked up in jail. And here is Jacob telling the sons, you guys have to go back and bring us more food because the famine is severe and we've ran out of food. Now, we see that necessity drove Jacob to do something that he was completely against. Right? Because now we're going to see that he has no other option but to send Benjamin along with the other brothers in order to get food again because there were specific instructions. Necessity will take us to a point to doing something that God has called us to do when we don't want to do it. Not realizing that the necessity is actually pushing us towards something good. 
Why? Because if he sends Benjamin, they're going to have food. They're going to be able to eat. They will not die. So at the end of the day, who's benefiting? They are. Now, again, Jacob is afraid that he's going to lose another, bro another son. But it almost seemed like he already did. Simeon's locked up in jail. He doesn't know what's going on with Simeon. They could be torturing him for all he knows. So the perspective or the mindset of Jacob, it almost seemed kind of twisted. And we see that God has a bigger plan in mind, and it was a plan of complete restoration. Amen. God has specific instructions because he had a bigger plan and it was a plan of restoration for all the brothers as well as Jacob himself. Let's continue to read. Verse 3. Then it says, But Judah spoke to him, saying, Look who spoke. But Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly wonders, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Let's stop there for a second. When the scripture says solemnly warned us in the Hebrew, when something wants to be in, emphasized or intensified is repeated twice. So when Judah speaks here, he solemnly warned us. He's basically telling Jacob, hey, this dude really warned us. I need you to understand. If we don't take Benjamin, forget about seeing our face. You ain't going to see nobody. Because you're going to run out of food, you're going to die here, and we're going to die over there. I need you to understand the severity of what's taking place here. The guy, the man, was, gave us specific instructions on who we were supposed to go back with. And that was Benjamin. If you continue to refuse for us to go back with Benjamin, ain't nobody eating. And we'll probably perish in the process of it. Why? Because of the instructions that the man gave. Oh yeah, by the way, Simeon's in jail, just in case you forgot about him. But we see who speaks here. Judah. Judah is taking a leadership position. But if you guys remember, Judah's not the oldest. This was a position that belonged to Reuben. Reuben was the oldest of the 12. But if we remember, every time Reuben gave a suggestion, it was out of self-benefit. So, the belief or the trust that Jacob had with Reuben was long gone out the window. Judah knew that. So he says, well, I know he's not going to listen to my brother Reuben. Simeon, which is the second one, he's in jail. I'm next in line. Let me see if I come forth and I step into that leadership position if my words have any effect on my father. And so here comes Judah and says, listen, this is what I need you to understand. We have to go back with Benjamin. These are the instructions from the man. If we don't do this, we're not going to be able to bring back any food. We're also going to be disobedient to the perfect instructions that were set in place. The guy said, we will not see his face. In other words, we're going to show up. We don't know what's going to happen. We might not come back. I need you to understand that. This is severe. As severe as the famine, so is the situation that we're in. 
We need to make sure we follow the right procedure and they'll follow the instructions that were laid out for us. Look what continues to say in verse 6 and 7. And Israel said, Jacob, why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you had still another brother? Here is Jacob questioning his children. And here they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told them according to these words, could we possibly have known that he would say, bring your brother down? Now pause for a second. It almost seems as Jacob is telling his sons, in other words, you should have lied. Right. <laughs> Why would you tell him that you have a father and that you have another son? No, lie to the dude. Just get what we need, bring it back, and don't worry about it. You're never going to see him again. Wow. Oh, yes, he did. The food ran out. It wasn't enough. So now, they, imagine if they would have lied the first time. Joseph knows who they were. They don't recognize Joseph. And we'll get into that in a minute. Why? Come on. But Joseph knows who they were. Joseph knows who Israel is. Imagine if they would have lied. Instantly, Joseph would have seen there has been no change in your heart from the time you sold me as a slave to the time that I'm here. The reason why you don't recognize me is because you haven't spent time with me. What you sow is what you reap. His brothers, his own brothers did not recognize his brother standing before him. Now, we can look at this two different ways. We can say, well, a lot of time has passed. You know, Joseph looks different. But wait a second. Joseph doesn't look different. He was shaved. He was dressed. So I'm sure, even though he might have gotten older, his features were still the same. Or we can look at it from a perspective of, well, Joseph was, had entangled himself so much with Egyptian customs that because of that, his brother didn't recognize him. It could be. It could be. But if you know who your brother is, I don't care what he gets entangled with or what he gets involved with, you will recognize your brother. The problem here is the spending of time. That was the factor here. They hadn't spent so much time, or they had spent so much time apart from his brother that they didn't recognize who Joseph was. Yet Joseph never forgot about them. Never forgot about them. Now, isn't that a beautiful picture of our Savior? No matter how much we are far away from him, how many times we have run into the opposite direction, he never forgets about us. He is right there where you left him. That's why the story of the prodigal son, is, it, that, that story hits home so much because, listen, it doesn't matter how many times we run away from God, God is there. And his grace and his mercy are there. 
we shouldn't take advantage of it. But God is so faithful that he remains there. He doesn't run away from you as well. He stays right where you left him. And with open arms, Amen. waiting for you to return, waiting for you to embrace you, waiting to throw a massive feast because you have came back home. That is what Joseph was waiting for. Joseph was waiting for everyone to return because we're going to see what took place in 42, why it didn't take place until 43. But he was waiting for everyone to return to throw this massive feast Amen. because there was a vision that was about to be fulfilled. Wow. But here we see the desperation and the panic from Jacob towards his sons. He questions them. Why would you do such a thing? Remember, all he's thinking about right now is Benjamin. At this point, I'm sure Jacob doesn't care about anybody else but Benjamin. So he's questioning the rest. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why did you tell him I was alive? Why did you tell him you had another brother? Why would you do such things? Uh, haven't you taught us to always say the truth? <laughs> we were just obedient to what you've told us to do. Uh, not only were we obedient to what you had asked us to do, but I, I think we're kind of looking after our own necks as well here. <laughs> I think if we would have said no instantly, we would have been hung. Kind of like the baker. <laughs> right. Jacob even accuses his sons of dealing wrongly with him. Because that question is kind of like accusing them. It was a question, but it came with an accuse. An accusation. So he's accusing his own sons of betraying him. Look at the extent of where, Joseph, of where Jacob is going. Accusing his own sons of saying the truth. In other words, how can you do such a thing? But they give him a logical explanation of why they did it. I want to draw your attention to the end of that verse. It says... Uh, verse, what's that? Verse 7 says, And we told them according to these words, could we possibly have known that he would say, Bring your brother down? In other words, he caught us by surprise, Dad. That's what that means. You know, we were having a conversation, and he said, Oh, yeah, you have another brother, and you have that. Uh, yeah. It, it kind of looked like Joseph catches his brothers by surprise. And so we didn't know what to say, so we just said the truth. Uh, because the word of God says that the truth is what's going to set you free. <laughs> and the truth gets further in life than any other lies. <laughs> right? So uh, even though we were caught by surprise, we, we said the truth. That Shouldn't you be proud of us? No. How can you do such a thing? What are you thinking? You're the brothers giving a logical explanation and being truthful. And here's Jacob saying, no, I mean, you guys are crazy. You should just lied. I think we would have gotten a lot further. But that wasn't the case. Let's continue to read verse 8. It says, Then Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you, and also our little ones. I myself, be sure, I myself will be surety for From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and send him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. Verse 10. 
For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned a second time. Judah's here telling him, listen, man, if we would have not wasted all this time, by now we would have been back with the food. But he, excuse me, he also gives Jacob some assurance. He says, listen, if I don't bring it back, I will bear the pain. I, I will be the one to, to, to bear the pain forever. But wait a second, what did Jacob also bear the pain? Not only am I losing Benjamin, but I'm losing you as well. So well, what kind of assurance is that? How is that supposed to make me feel at peace? When I'm going to, I already lost Joseph, supposedly. I'm going to lose Benjamin, so now I lost my two favorite sons. And then I'm going to lose Judah and Simeon, obviously, which is back in jail. And I don't know if any of you guys are going to return back, which I don't really care about at this point. But <laughs> <laughs> So what kind of assurance are you, are you giving me here, Judah? Think about it. Now, again, Judah took the leadership position because the assurance that Reuben had given before didn't hold up. If you guys remember, it was always out of self-benefit. It never held up. Every time Reuben says something, it never held up. But here Judah is hoping that what he says, Jacob will take it to heart and said, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your word. It was a matter of not only trust here taking place, but necessity in the midst of it as well. So there was necessity and trust. There was a need for food because they were about to perish. They didn't have any more food. There was also a need to trust the one stepping up and say, listen, I'm going to bring him back and I'm going to bring back food as well. I need you to trust me, Dad, because not only do I need you to trust me, these are the instructions that we were told. So in other words, if we go over there without it, guess what? Nobody's bringing back any food. I need you to trust me. So here Jacob is kind of put in a pickle, honestly. He's like, he's against the wall and... What do I do? You know, do, do I send Benjamin if I do and he doesn't return? Not only did I lose Rachel, I lost Benjamin and I lost Joseph, my favorite wife and my favorite two sons. Oh, yeah, because obviously we know he had more than one. He was very obedient to God. Very obedient guy. I'm sure, I'm sure it was hard for him. I'm sure it was hard for him. You know. But we see Judah step into that, in that leadership position. But we also see Judah here refers to Benjamin as the lad. It goes to show us that Benjamin was still at a young age. So to a certain point, I understand the concern of Jacob. You know, he lost Joseph at an early age. Here is about to lose Benjamin at even earlier age. Because a lad, if you study, is referred to somebody that's actually under 10 years old. So he was very young. So I understand the concern of Jacob, even though his sons had said the truth. But we also see Judah give an answer to Jacob that was seen back in Genesis 42, chapter 2. Go with me there for a second. Remember, Judah tells him, <clears throat> he says, we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Look at Genesis 42, verse 2. says, this is Jacob speaking. And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy us food, buy for us there that we may live and not die. 
Here we see Judah quoting the same words that his father told him on the chapter before. Say, not only am I telling you the truth, but now I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna go a step further, and I'm gonna quote you, buddy. Do you want to be challenged? Oh, we can challenge each other. I'm going to see if you hold up to your words. You send us down to Great Grain, right? We went down there, we bought food, and we came back. We were obedient. Now I'm going to see if you keep your word. Do you want us not to die? Well, guess what? We need to go down there with Benjamin to make sure we bring back food. Otherwise, we're all going to die. But there's something bigger here. It wasn't just Judah quoting Jacob. If Judah would not go down with the rest of his brothers and Benjamin, and Jacob would hold back Benjamin, what Jacob was actually doing was breaking the covenant and a promise from God. Or didn't God make Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a promise when he told them, you and your descendants will be as the stars in the skies and the sands in the sea, as numerous. What happens if Jacob doesn't give in and send Benjamin? Everybody dies, the covenant stops. So not only would Jacob have stopped the covenant, he would have been disobedient to what God has established since the beginning of time. Look how far this would have gone if Jacob would have said, no, uh-uh, Benjamin's not going. I'm sure God would have been looking down saying, you fool. Wow. Haven't I been with you up to now? Wow. Didn't I even go to the point of changing your name because you wrestled and you said that you will not let me go until I blessed you? And I did so? And you still doubt me? And you still in fear? Wow. Come on, Jacob. Come on. Haven't I established a promise and what I say comes through? I am I faithful to my word? Amen. Who are you? to go against what I have established. Now what Judah offers here in these verses is the first good thing he does. Because if we can look back, up to now Judah has done his share of mess as well. Uh, Judah was the one that proposed the self Joseph. So I'm thinking, you know, when Judah said, yeah, just hold my life as value. I'm saying Jacob is like, really, dude? <laughs> Judah was the one that proposed himself Joseph. Judah was also the one who slept with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, and treated her as a harlot or a prostitute. So up to now, Judah really hasn't been a good son, we can say. <laughs> He's definitely not the one that the rest of the guys need to live up to. <laughs> but yet, he still takes that leadership position and still comes on the front line and says, you know what, Dad? Trust me on this. I need you to have faith in me. I will bring back Benjamin, and I will bring us back food. So I don't know if it was out of pure necessity that Jacob gave in, or was it that his heart was actually turning and was actually leaning and inclining to trusting Judah. God has a way of allowing trials in our lives, listen, to break us down and to break our rebellious ways so that we can completely surrender 
to him and truly let go. There are trials in life that God will allow. Remember, nothing that we go through in life first must pass by the table of God. It is he who allows things to happen. And so he will allow certain trials and out of pure necessity and out of just pure obedience that we do is that we are able to kind of surrender, just truly surrender to God and truly give in and, and, and allow him to do whatever he needs to do in our lives. But until we don't let go and let God, nothing's going to happen, church. They all had to let go and let God. Amen. They had no choice at this moment. It's either they die where they were in Canaan or they die in Egypt. One or the other. If they are disobedient, they're going to die in Canaan. If they are obedient, yeah, there might have been a possibility of them dying in Egypt. But God was with them. God had a bigger plan. Now let's see Jacob's answer. Genesis 43, verse 11. 11 through 14. It says, And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man. The man. The man. It's like when, it's like the man is like referred to like Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam is like the man. You got to pay your taxes. You have no choice. <laughs> carry down a present for the man. A little balm, a little honey, spices, and myrrh, pistachio nuts, and we're going to... We're going to stop there because I, I, was, I was sold at pistachio nuts. I love pistachio nuts. You ever guys had a pistachio ice cream? Oh, my God. That is sinful. <laughs> pistachio ice cream is sinful. Oh, God, he knows my heart. Oh, my God. Does he ever? Pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise, go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. Notice he didn't even say Simeon. He just said, yeah, your other brother. He didn't even say the guy's name. Poor Simeon. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Here we see the generosity of Jacob. Or was it more of a practice? See, he had done this before. Jacob had done this before. Jacob had done this before, and it should ring a bell when he was very generous to get what he wanted. With who? With his brother Esau. Remember, when he hadn't seen Esau in a while and he's traveling through the desert, he gets an earful that Esau is coming towards him. And if we remember, Jacob didn't have an army. It was his him, his wives, his concubines, his children, and all the animals and everything that he had gathered up. Jacob was a very wealthy man, but he didn't have an army. Esau, on the other hand, wasn't such a wealthy man, but he had an army. So what does he do? 
he starts sending things little by little, one by one, to see if with all these gifts, Esau will change his mind and not kill him because, as we know, Esau at this point wanted to kill him. But we see that time had passed and God had worked in the heart of Esau. And when he saw him, he embraced him. Not because of the gifts. It's because God had been working in his heart. Amen. So here, Jacob tries to use the same technique. It's not Jacob being generous. He's trying to use the same technique to see if he gets out of wherever the man is in Egypt, what he needs, which is food. Not only food, Benjamin and that other brother, whatever his name is, Simeon. Yeah, yeah, him too. <laughs> but the elements, the items that were used were very specific. Let's go over them again. He says, a little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Not only does he tell all these elements, but he says, take double money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Maybe it was an oversight. These items that Jacob sent, also the amount of money that Jacob tells his brothers to send, were the same items that the Ishmaelites had when they purchased Joseph. All this myrrh, all this pistachio nuts, all these almonds, all this honey, all this balm were the same elements that the Ishmaelites had when they purchased Joseph. How do you think Joseph is going to receive this? I'm sure when they get to Egypt, this might not sit too good. Or it might actually bring something else to memory. Not only that, the same amount of money that, Jake, uh, that Joseph was purchased was the same amount of money that was sent back to Egypt. That's mind-blowing. You're talking about God's perfect plan? But yes, God has a bigger, bigger plan because all these things being put together all over again. Now it's being put all over again, but something else is going to happen along the way. Something's going to be fulfilled because of this process. God has a plan and a picture greater than we can ever imagine for our lives. It just sometimes doesn't play out the way we want it to. Or does it seem like we wanted to? But what we want and what God wants or what God has for us are two different things. And I need you guys to understand that this morning. What we want and what God has for us are two completely different things. They are like opposite completely. Because if we can be honest, a lot of the things that we want end up not being what God has for us. And aren't we grateful that God withholds a lot of the things that we want. Amen. Come on. Are we grateful that God withholds a lot of the things that we want? Because if we will get them, it would be a mess in our lives. 
So I'm grateful God withholds a lot of things that I ask. Amen. Sometimes for a bunch of nonsense, and God says, uh-uh, not going to happen. But ultimately, what we see in Jacob here is surrender. Yes, maybe it might have been out of necessity, but at the end of the day, Jacob surrenders. And he says, you know what? Okay, fine. Take all these things, take double the money, and take Benjamin. I've realized that I can't do it. I sent you guys here before. You came back. You brought food, but I realized that it wasn't enough, and I should have known better. And now Benjamin needs to go back. Well, it is what it is. Go back with Benjamin. Go back with all these elements. Go back with double the money. And I'm hoping that everybody comes back. But you know, God, I'm done. I, I can't. I, I surrender. Have your ways. And I know Amen. your ways are going to succeed. And I I'm praying that they do. So we see surrender from Jacob. But does he lose all hope? He surrendered, but does he lose hope? Two completely different things. He surrenders hope to God Almighty. Amen. El Shaddai, like that song said earlier. Let's read it again. Verse 14, it says, And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may release your brother, your other brother, and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. I'm, I'm done, Lord. You know what? May El Shaddai give you mercy and you're all able to return back to me. Now, the first time God reveals us, please don't miss this. The first time God reveals himself as El Shaddai is in chapter 17 to Abraham. And it's also attached to a promise or a covenant from God. When God reveals himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, he promises Sarai at the time, which hadn't been Sarah yet, his wife, that she will bear a son. And because of this son, this son will be the one to receive the covenant or receive the promise that will carry on to his son and to everybody else after. So here we see when God Almighty is referred to in Scripture, it is kind of reminding us, again, of a covenant that God made. And because of a remembrance of a covenant, attached comes the blessing. Jacob is saying, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved, but not realizing that what he's doing is just being obedient to what God established back in chapter 17. It's amazing. Amazing. Let's continue to read. Genesis 43, verse 15. It says, so the man took that present... This is not the man. This is the man, which is his sons, took the present and Benjamin, and they took double the money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt. And they stood before Joseph. They still don't know who Joseph is, but they stood before the man, which is Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready for these men will dine with me at noon. Then the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the man, it's like a lot of mans here, brought the man into Joseph's house. In verse 18, now the men were afraid, these are the sons of, Joseph, of, of uh, Jacob, were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house, and they said, it is because of the money 
which was returning our sacks the first time that we are brought in, so that he may take a case against us and seize us to take us as slaves with our donkeys. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. He are the sons of Jacob showing fear of what can possibly happen, and all of a sudden everything's brought out to the light. Doesn't the word of God says that everything in due time will be brought out to the light? Here, they're saying, wait a second. Now they're panicking. Hey, listen, now we're going to become slaves. God, God knows what else is going to happen because everything we did. And I'm sure Judas is the one pointing fingers at everybody, even though he was the one that sold Joseph as a slave. But we see here the fulfillment of the test that we spoke about earlier from the brothers. They brought back Benjamin. So they were obedient to the first test, right? Now they brought back Benjamin, they're going to get Simeon. And they're hoping that everybody returns back. But something unusual happens, and that is Joseph, so-called Egyptian, wanting to eat with Hebrews. This was an abomination. This was something that was not practiced this was something that never took place. And we're going to actually see in Scripture how even the servants of Joseph didn't eat with him. There was a division in tables, kind of like we see here this morning. There was a division in tables, but there's no Egyptian and Hebrews. We all get along here this morning. <laughs> so there was a, this what was about to take place of what Joseph tells his servant, slaughter an animal, we're all about to eat together. This was actually, I'm thinking the servant's like, what are you doing? These are Hebrews. Why would you want to eat with these people? Wow. Joseph knew. The servant didn't know. The brothers definitely had no idea what was going on. But there was a bigger plan. We see here an illustration of Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to dine with us, mm -hmm. no matter our background, come on, come on, come no on. matter how many times we've messed up, no matter how many times we've run away from him, he still says, slaughter the animal, wow. my children are home, we're going to eat together. <laughs> what Joseph is looking was to establish a relationship with his brothers and in due time he was about to reveal himself to his brothers the master plan of God is so big guys that he's constantly adding the pieces of puzzle together he knows where they fit he knows when to place them and he knows the bigger picture we're focusing on this corner here not realizing that there's so much more to go because all we see is what's in front of us. But God sees way ahead of us. Yeah. Revelation 3.20, look what it says. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and Amen. he with me. He doesn't make exceptions. 
He doesn't care if you're Hebrew or Colombia. Or, he doesn't care. As long as you surrender to him, he will dine with you and you will dine with him. Amen. All he's looking for is restoration of relationship. The same thing that Joseph was looking here with his brothers, a restoration of relationship because now he sees that the heart of his, not only his brothers, but his father is changing. Because remember, they came back with Benjamin, but who was the one that sent Benjamin? It was Jacob. They would have never came back with Benjamin if Jacob would have agreed. So here Joseph sees that not only is the heart of his brothers changing, but the heart of his father is also changing. In agreeing to something that seems so lucrative, so crazy. How is Jacob going to send the youngest of all, my brother, this is Joseph thinking, and he's going to agree to such thing? How does he know that everybody's going to return? But that is what trust and surrender to God is. That is what trust and surrender to God is. And that's what, jo uh, what Jacob did. He said, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. I'm done. But I surrender. I don't lose hope, but I surrender to you. I know that you're going to see me through this. I know that we're going to have food. I know that you're going to return my children. And I need you to have the same mindset for, for whatever you're asking God for in this 2021. God is going to return those things. As a matter of fact, we, we, we heard something yesterday that my wife and I, when we started our Sabbath, that, that this person said, whatever God has taken away from you in 2020, I mean, sorry, not God, but whatever, anything has, that has been taken away from you in 2020, God is going to restore that and some in 2021. But you have to believe him for it. Do not lose hope. You can never lose hope in God. You can never lose hope in God. Never. No matter if things aren't changing, don't lose hope. God can change this in an instant. Don't lose hope. Jacob didn't lose hope. He surrendered. He said, that's it, I'm done. But he never, lose, he never lost hope. But again, we see there at the end of, of verse 18 that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They, they began to grow weary. What's going to take place? Joseph left. We're alone here with a servant. That's it. We're done. We're going to become slaves, and we're done. We're never leaving Egypt. You know what? Father was right. We should have never told Benjamin to come down here. We should have left Benjamin over there. We should have came down and tried to figure it out and take food back and see if we could. Now we're all going to die here. 43, verse 19. When they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked to him at the door of the house and said, Oh, sir, we indeed came down the first time to buy food, but it happened when we came to the encampment that we opened our sacks, and there each man's money was in the mouth of his sacks, our money in full weight, so that we have brought it back in a hand. It, we have brought it, it back in our hand. They're trying to negotiate with the servant of Joseph before they even go into the house, just in case they need to run the opposite direction or whatever reason. Listen, man, listen, I, I didn't take the money. See, what happened was we, we, we kind of left back and, I don't know, I opened the sack and boom, there was money. But it, honestly, we, we wanted to give the money back. You know, we came with the intentions to purchase something. 
Somebody put the money in, my, in our sacks, and it wasn't us. Please believe me. Listen to what the servant says. We have brought it back in our hand, and we have brought down other money. As a matter of fact, you know what? We brought that and some, because we want to make sure that we have extra. In our hands to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. And look what the servant says. But he said, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasures in your sacks. I had your money. <laughs> then he brought Simeon out to them. The servant goes, I had your money. You hear these, these guys are going crazy. I can only imagine. They're going crazy. Telling, no, no, listen to me. You got to understand. And the servant's like, you guys done? By the way, I had your money. I'm the one that put it back in your sacks. Peace be with you. That's interesting because I like the choice of words that the servant uses. We see the, first of all, we see a turn in the hearts of the brothers compared to when they sold Joseph. Now it wasn't like, you know, sell the guy. Who cares? Now it's more like, um, are we going to get out of here? You know, so we see not only desperation, but we see fear. So it, 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 there's a theme of a turning of the heart of the brothers towards honesty. Because it was true. What they were saying was true. Listen, we brought the money with the intentions to buy something. We didn't want to take the money back. We wanted to pay for the food. But for some reason, we got food and we got the money back in our sacks. We didn't take it with us. So they were being honest with what was taking place at that moment. But what the servant said says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. But he doesn't stop there. He says, also, your God and the God of your father. Wait a second. This is an Egyptian guy. How is the Egyptian recognizing the God of the brothers and the God of the father. Something was happening here. Something took place here. It was from the time that he put the money back, there was also something happening in the heart of the servant. Why? Because if you hang around with somebody for a certain period of time, it rubs off. Whose servant was this? It almost seems as if the servant was God speaking to the sons of Jacob. Or isn't, or isn't peace be with you the same words that Jesus says to his disciples before he leaves? Peace I give you, peace I leave with you. It almost seems as if God is speaking to these brothers. Peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father. So we see an Egyptian recognizing the God of Israel. Come on. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess 
that he is God and the only God. All these things will take place in due time. But we cannot lose hope, church. We must continue to preach the word and preach the gospel. No matter how it may seem out there, we must continue. John 14, 27. John 14, 27. Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. The precise words that these that this servant uses to tell the brothers of joseph come on that's if god is standing right before them and telling him stop don't panic i am with you i have never left you and i will never forsake you don't worry about the fear that your dad displayed earlier i don't need you to display the same amount of fear i am with you Now we see that Joseph fulfills his promise as well. Because remember, he said, if you bring down Benjamin, I will give you back Simeon. So Joseph keeps his end of the bargain. We keep our end of the bargain. God keeps his end of the bargain. Remember we said earlier, the promises of God, some of the promises of God come with conditions. This was a condition in this chapter. Bring back Benjamin, I will give you back Simeon. Not only am I going to give you back Simeon, you're going to come into my house, you're going to eat with me, you're going to dine with me, which may seem an abomination, but don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about what other people are saying. Listen, I need you to look at me. And just in case you're doubting, I'm going to send my servant so he can speak on who God says he is. And what God says to have peace and not be afraid. Genesis 43, verse 24. God is amazing, man. Amen. Amen. Wow. So the man brought the man. The man and the man, the man and the man. It's like, it's like a tongue twister. So the man brought the man into the Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet. And he gave their donkeys feed. Then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon. For they had heard that they would eat bread there. Verse 26. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed down before him to the earth. I mean, do I need to break that down? <laughs> It almost seems like it's the story's right backwards. The servant, <laughs> the servant of Joseph, be still, sister. <laughs> the servant of Joseph goes above and beyond for these brothers. 
and contrary to what they thought in verse 18. Remember, they said, we're going to become slaves here. That's it. We're, this is where our lives are going to end in Egypt. We're going to become slaves, and Father was right. But we see the servant of Joseph go above and beyond. The servant of Joseph. In this picture, Joseph is God, and the servant is Joshua. He goes above and beyond and washes their feet with water. True repentance brings forth the grace of God. True repentance brings forth the grace of God. Here we see the grace of God displayed in the life of the brothers. Why? Because of true repentance. They brought back Benjamin. They were honest with what had taken place in chapter 42, that they never took the money. So we see the honesty in the lives of the brothers. We see the obedience by bringing back Benjamin and bowing down. Complete and utter repentance. Complete and utter surrender to Joseph to authority. When that took place, the grace of God was poured over these men. Now, something else takes place here, which is way bigger than this. Oh, there's more. There's a fulfillment, there's a fulfillment of the dream that Joseph had by his brothers bowing down. If you guys remember, the first dream that Joseph had was that his brothers would bow down to him. Now, you might say, well, this could have taken place in chapter 42. Mm -mm. Why not? There was one brother missing. That's the reason why the bowing down from the brothers didn't take place in chapter 42. All the brothers needed to be present for this vision and this dream to be fulfilled. Because when God gave it to Joseph, there was no exception of who's favorite and who's not favorite. All your brothers will bow down to you. Now, that's not only the fulfillment. That's not only the one thing that happened here. There was something else. They bowed out of three things. Respect, gratitude, and need. They bowed out of respect towards authority of Joseph. They bowed out of, out of gratitude that Joseph was wanted to dine with them instead of making them slaves. And they bow out of need because they did have a need. Now watch the second fulfillment here. Verse 27. Then he asked them about their well-being. This is Joseph asking the brothers. Then he asked him about their well-being and said, Is your father well? The old man 
of whom you spoke. Is he still alive? <laughs> and they answered, your servant, our father, is in good health. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. This is Joseph speaking to Benjamin. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and wept there. So we see the first fulfillment of all his brothers bowing down to him. The second fulfillment is right here. Remember, God showed Joseph two visions. The first one is, your brothers will bow down to you. The second one is, your father will be your servant. Okay, let's read it again. And they answered, your servant, our father, is in good health. Here we see the second fulfillment spoken into life. So in one chapter, we see both visions of Joseph come into play. First, physically, by his brothers bowing down. Then the second one being spoken into existence by his brothers about his father. Come on, man. The plan of God for Joseph and his brother was perfect and precise. Everyone needed to be there. Benjamin couldn't be excluded. Even though Benjamin was his, was his brother and was the youngest one, Benjamin was also part of the vision that God had shown Joseph. That's why that didn't take place in chapter 42. Everyone needed to be there. Now, when his brothers bowed down, and then it says that his brothers bowed down and they prostrated himself, again, this is an emphasis to what was spoken earlier when I told you that he warned us, warned us. This is his brothers going before him like this several times. A sign of surrender completely. Not just partially, I'm going to bow down once and I'm going to get up. No, this was consistently. That's why we see the fulfillment of the dream here in chapter 43. Because it was done over and over and over. Just in case Joseph had any thought, here, I'm going to show you again. Bow down and bow down again and bow down again. Now you see that what I have spoken over you comes to pass, Joseph. You may have had to endure a lot, but here is the vision that I showed you over 20 years ago. That your brothers will bow down before you and your father would also serve you. Listen, I don't know what God has promised you. It might be 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it may be. I need you to understand that the promises of God are true. Amen. What God promises, he fulfills. Amen. It might take a little longer than we want to, but he's faithful to fulfill the promises. We have to endure the process. 
Endure the process. Endure the pain. And you will see the victory and the fulfillment of God's visions and promises over your life. Sometimes there are conditions. Sometimes we have to endure. Now, look at verse 30 for a second. It says, Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and wept there. If you guys remember, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he wept. Say so he wept tears of blood. The tears of blood wasn't because he didn't want to do what he was called to do. The tears of blood was, were, 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 were had, or he had them, because out of pure compassion. Because out of what he wanted to do for those that were lost, for those that he came back for. Here we see tears of compassion from Joseph. Not because... Just obviously he missed his brother Benjamin, but because now he saw right before his face the full restoration of his family. He saw that God was faithful to bring back every single one of his sons to fully restore his family. And it brought him to tears. He wasn't just crying for Benjamin. He was crying out of pure joy for what God was doing. And here we see mercy shown by Joseph towards his brothers. Did they deserve to be slaves? Absolutely. Did they deserve to be killed? Absolutely. They left Joseph for dead. They sold him as a slave. They never bothered again. But we see mercy being shown by Joseph towards his brothers. Wow. Amazing. That's like God right there showing mercy towards us even when we turn our backs on him. Mercy is not getting the punishment that we deserve. They deserve punishment for what they did. Absolutely. But Joseph did, said, I'm not going to do that. You know what? Slaughter an animal. Bring it into the house. I'm going to dine with them. God has been faithful to me. How can I do anything opposite to my brothers? He's restored my family, something that I yearn for. That's all I wanted, to be together again with my family. And I'm going to finish with this. Genesis 43, verse 31 through 34. says, then he washed his face and came out, and he restrained himself and said, serve the bread. So they set him a place by himself. Pay attention here. Sir, this is Joseph speaking. says, serve the bread. And so they set him a place by himself. So here is Joseph on a table by himself. And then by themselves. These are the brothers by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. So everybody's sitting completely separated from each other. 
because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for this is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they set before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked in astonishment at one another. I'm thinking that here is Joseph sitting on a table. Here is his brothers sitting all in one table. Oh, the Egyptians sitting over there. And the Hebrews sitting on this table. But what's interesting, what's interesting is that his brothers started looking around and say, what is How does this Egyptian know our age that he has sat us in order? That's what I said there. Egyptians wave themselves, and then it says, uh, and they sat before him the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. Meaning they sat from Reuben all the way down to Benjamin. In order. So I'm thinking these brothers are like, who is this guy? How does he know that we have to sit in order? Wait a second, how does he know our age? Then he took servings to them from before him. But Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. Verse 32 for a second. Let's read that again. It says, So they sat him a place by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate by with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for this is an abomination to the Egyptians. It's interesting. That, that, that rings a bell for some reason. Uh, go with me to Psalms 23.5. See, everything ties to one another. And so whenever you read scripture, you have to allow God to tie it together. And so Psalms 23.5 says this beautiful thing where it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. It's funny that his brothers were in order sitting right in front of the Egyptians where that were their enemies. God is so precise, guys. God is so precise when he does something. He didn't tell him, okay, you guys sit over here and I'm going to have the Egyptians next to me because, you know, Joseph, I'm Egyptian. No. Joseph sits here. He sits the Egyptians there and he sits the Hebrews there. He sets a table before his enemies. All because, all because of honesty and obedience and surrender. That's why they were able to bear the fulfillment of what God was doing and receive the blessing from God. If those things would not have taken place, none of it would have happened.
in life, we will have many tests that God himself allows. But listen to me. We should expect, if we ever fail in a test at some time, God himself will make arrangements for us to take the test again. But listen carefully. This is a serious reason to take the test well the first time. We should expect if we ever fail in a test at some time, God himself will make arrangements for us to take the test again. This is serious reason to take the test well the first time. Why do I tell you that? Because of what, how this story ends. And everybody said, wow, five. Yes, five is the number of grace. Joseph showed grace not only to his brothers, but to the Egyptians that were there. God was the one that was behind everything, showing grace to everything that was taking place in chapter 43. Why? Because even though they failed at the test the first time, the second time that God allowed the test to take place, they passed. Their heart was different. The heart of Jacob was different. The heart of Joseph was different. And therefore, the grace of God covered everything. But it's very important that we seriously take the test the first time correctly. And if we don't thank God for the grace of God, that he will allow it for us to take it again. But please, please, don't take the grace of God for granted. Make sure that whenever you're going through a test, you take it right the first time. Amen. You do everything scripture tells you to do. Amen. How do you do that? By sowing into the relationship that you need to establish with God. Going back to the beginning, what I said. You get out what you put in. A lot of the times we don't make the right decision because we don't put in enough. We don't put in our time. We don't put in of our prayer. We don't put in on our worship. We don't put in on seeking him. And if we don't put in, it is impossible to withdraw. It is our benefit to pour in more, to sow in more, because very few times you're going to draw. Because God will always give you more than you need to draw. So it is our benefit to sow more and more and more of our time with God. So when it comes time to withdrawing, we have enough. Amen. So yes, the grace of God covered everything in this story. But it all was caused out of certain conditions that needed to take place. Let's go ahead and stand, church. Let's go ahead and dim the lights, please.